Hi, I'm Magic Tom, the producer for Sam and Ted's Famous Last Words. Welcome to the Babel Sound Studio, where we're sitting in on an American and a Brit, twisting each other's words, getting tongue-tied, and generally reflecting upon the strange beauty of that majestic, rather odd thing we call the English language. Let's start the show. You're listening to Sam and Ted's Famous Last Words. Sam and Ted's Famous Last Words! Ted, are you worried at all about being replaced by artificial intelligence? What? Why? Am I being fired? Calm down, Ted. I've just been thinking. Oh, boy. You know how everyone's saying that computers are going to replace humans in the next few years, right? And, you know, they can already translate stuff with artificial intelligence. (sighs) Get real. Artificial intelligence might be useful for translating, I like your hat, or isn't that a camel over there? But it will never be able to do the sort of stuff we do. I mean, computers can't tell clever jokes like we can. What I'd like to see is someone invent a robot that does stupid stuff all the time and makes bad decisions, like real humans, yeah? Yeah, that'd be fun to watch. Like uh, spilling coffee on their laptop and making stupid spelling mistakes. A dumb android. Yeah, that would be cool, right? Uh, Hey, Ted, um, I have a question. What is an android, actually? Is it the same thing as a robot? Mm, Yeah, kind of, I guess. An android is a robot that has a human form. You know, it looks like a human. Oh, right. Can you imagine Android Sam and Ted? I'm not sure anyone can make exact copies of us. I mean, not the way you dress. Maybe we are androids and nobody told us. I'd know if you were an android. You'd smell weird. I mean, weirder. Where does the term android come from, anyway? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's um, actually made up of two Greek roots, and, meaning man, and oid, meaning to have the form of. So android means having the form of man, but is used for any robots that have a human form. A robot with a specifically female appearance can also be called a gynoid or fembot. The term android first became popular in the 1800s when it was used to refer to automated chess-playing machines. And it entered common use in sci-fi around the 1950s and was made super famous by Philip K. Dick in his book Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? That's the book that the film um, Blade Runner is based on, right? Yeah, exactly. But in the movie, the androids are called replicants. Anywho... Later, George Lucas shortened it to droid in the Star Wars films. Since then, androids have popped up all over the place in films like Ex Machina, AI, Bicentennial Man, Aliens, Terminator, and The Stepford Wives. In TV, on shows like Westworld and Star Trek, and even in real life. I recently spent too much time watching videos of androids on the internet, and let me tell you, Don't do that before going to bed. Creepy. I had no idea you're such a sci-fi geek. I sure am. Hey, that would actually be a great theme for a podcast. That is the theme of today's podcast, Sam. You're such a space cadet. What? Your head's in the clouds. 
Come back down to Earth, space cadet. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. I love it. Right. And after my first segment, you'll know every word you'll ever need for going into space. Cyberspace, at least. It's called... Cyberwatch. So, I'm going to talk about the connection between science fiction and science fact. So you're a scientist now, are you, Ted? No, but I have read a lot of science fiction books, and you'd be surprised at how many words and phrases that we use today come from this genre of writing. Go on then, surprise me. All right, so the first one I've got, again, a word that most people know these days, and that word is robot. Yeah, sure, everyone knows what a robot is. Right, right? exactly, but do you know where this word comes from, Sam? Mm, I'm not sure I do, Ted. Well... The word robot was actually first used in a play by a Czech writer, Karl Čapek, all the way back in 1920, way before robots were even a real thing. Um, so the word robot, it actually comes from Slavic, uh, the word robota, which means work. And then, of course, the writer Isaac Asimov popularized the word in stories of his, like, liar and I, robot. Which they made a film of, right? Or there's a, there is a film. Huh? Don't remind me. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, your next uh, term on the list? The next term is Avatar. You know this one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The film. It's the film Avatar, right? Yeah, yeah with the big blue creatures. Right. Yeah, there's a connection to that. Sure. Okay, okay. Um, but actually, uh, Avatar um, has been a word for a long time. It comes from uh, an ancient language, Sanskrit. And originally it meant... He passes down. He passes down. Yeah, he passes down. Right. Okay, so like he comes down? Right, yeah. Oh, okay. But who is he? Who, who is he? That's a good question. He, in this case, I guess, was used to refer to uh, like a god. And when a god would come down from heaven or wherever and would take a human form on earth, that was his avatar. Okay, right. right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but the way that we use it today... Um, comes from a book called Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. And in this book, um, the characters enter a sort of virtual reality called the metaverse. And in the metaverse, they're represented by digital avatars. Okay, okay. Can you just explain that one more time? What exactly is an avatar? Well, today, when we use the word avatar... It means a digital representation of someone uh, in a kind of cyber world, like in a video game or on an internet forum. All right, right? yeah. Okay. So if you imagine like that little picture that's to the left of your name on an internet forum, that's your avatar. Mm, good. good to know. Okay. What else have you got for us? The next one, again, super popular, and that is spaceship. Spaceship. And spaceship comes from the novel A Journey in Other Worlds, written in 1894, but set in the year 2000. Cool. This term uh, is a good example of the language of sea travel and ships being used to talk about space travel. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. It sort of brings to mind the feeling of venturing out across vast oceans and exploring unknown worlds, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Very nautical. Any other terms? The next one you also hear a lot today, and that is cyberspace. 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 And um, this one 
comes from William Gibson's novel Neuromancer. And in that book, people can go inside uh, the space in a computer and experience it physically. What? Uh, right? They yeah. go into computers. They can go into computers. Right. Yeah, but that's into... definitely science fiction and not science fact, right? Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but of course, today when we use the word cyberspace, we mostly use it to speak about the internet. Yeah, of course. Right. And, um, and actually, the prefix cyber um, is super popular, right? Um, on top of cyberspace, we've got cybersex, cyber attack, and cyber bully, for example, which reminds me, Ted, did you ever read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah, but a long time ago, the details are a little fuzzy. You probably remember that the author, Douglas Adams, mixed real scientific terms with made-up stuff, right? And this includes some of the earliest uses of cyber. The Oxford English Dictionary cites Adams as an early user of cyborg to refer to a robot and of cyber cubicle. What is a cyber cubicle? That is a very good question, Ted. Um, I think it's a cubicle, as in an office cubicle, not a toilet cubicle, but I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, in any case, it's a term that didn't really catch on, to be honest. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say that in real life. Yeah, no one says it. It's true. Anyway, as I was saying before you interrupted me, the name of Adam's fictional Sirius Cybernetics Corporation appears in the Oxford English Dictionary entry for cybernetics. And what is cybernetics? Another good question, Ted. Um, cybernetics is the science of creating robots that sort of get on with it and just sort of do their own thing, you know? They're oh. automated. Yeah, like the little vacuum cleaner that my parents have at home that cleans the house all by itself. Yeah, they're cool, right? Yeah. yeah. Some people put their cats on top of them. Have you seen those videos? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they just like the cats ride around the house on the hoovers. Or a speaker. And then you have uh, DJ Roomba. <laughs> Amazing what people think up. Um, so anyway, going back to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, in this book, they create robots with real human personalities. Um, so we end up with depressed and neurotic robots like one of the main characters, Marvin, whose nickname is the Paranoid Android. Hmm. Well, in that case, I'm kind of glad my parents' vacuum cleaner doesn't have a personality. Yeah, no one wants a neurotic vacuum cleaner, right? That would be a mess to deal with. It would be horrible. While we're on the subject of Douglas Adams, do you have any idea where Google gets its name from? Google? Yeah, Google, you know? Uh, that uh, internet search engine is quite famous. Uh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so you know what Google is, at least. In The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there's this computer, okay? And it's a supercomputer, and it comes up with the answer to the meaning of life. This computer is called Deep Thought. Deep Thought was built as an improvement on another computer, which was called the Googleplex Starthinker. Ah, uh, so... Google, the search engine, got its name from Douglas Adams. Well, yeah. I mean, the inventors of Google were big fans of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, so it is possible. Oh, and there's another good one, actually. Um, you ever heard of a babblefish? Is that like uh, British fish and chips? I'd like a bad babblefish and a large chip, please, missus. 
<laughs> your um, British accent gets better all the time, Ted. Um, Why, thank yes. you. <laughs> I mean, you're working hard, I can tell. Um, and in any case, to answer your question, a babblefish is not anything to do with fish and chips. It's actually a small yellow fish which you put in your ear. <laughs> it allows you to understand any foreign language, um, at least in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, I would love to have one in real life. You want a fish in your ear? Um, maybe without the fish in the ear It'd part. It would be kind of wet and wriggly. No? But it would be great to understand every single language. Well, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, um, so the name of this fish is a reference to the biblical story of the Tower of Babel from the book of Genesis, in which the people of the world worked together to build a tower to reach the heavens. God wasn't a big fan of this idea for obvious reasons, and he destroyed the tower, mixed up everyone's languages, and they couldn't understand each other anymore. Actually, interestingly, to babble, which means to talk rapidly and incomprehensibly, comes from the ba sound that babies make. Um, that was a bit more of a sheep bar there, but um, <laughs> babies are more like baba 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 baba. Right, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so this sort of baba 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 babble. This is the connection. So. Oh, okay, so it's kind of a, an onomatopoeia, a word that comes from uh, from a sound. Yeah, it sounds like what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, the word baby, of course, has the same similar origin. You know? Okay. Baba baba baba. This is all very fitting, Sam. I mean, we work for Babel, right? Ted, that is another moment of brilliant insight. Why, thank you. You do yourself love a good old babble, I've noticed. True, but, you know, this this whole babblefish, babble-to-babble thing, it's a bit confusing. Yeah, okay, so this is how it is, Ted. The babblefish is a fictional fish that you put in your ear right. for translation. The company we work for is Babbel. This here is a Babbel podcast. Okay. And Babbel, the word, comes from the German verb babbeln, meaning to talk like a baby. How ironic. Anyway, um, I've heard that the meaning is actually closer to to chat in a German dialect. Well, yeah, we do like to chat. We like to babble a lot, right? Yeah, right. And one last interesting fact um, while we're talking about The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is that these books contain one of the earliest uses of the word electronic book, long before the appearance of Kindles and other e-book devices. It really was a visionary bit of sci-fi. Speaking of Babel and of e-books, we have a very special guest today, Ted. Right. We've got a special sci-fi edition of Celebrity Bites, and in keeping with the theme of the episode, we will be calling it... So, who is our guest today, Sam? Our guest today, Ted, is our very own Babel magazine visionary, Claire Voyant. She works so hard, it might be easy to mistake her for an android, but I assure you, she's 100% homegrown earthling. Welcome to the studio, Claire. Thank you so much for having me, Sam and Ted. Thank you for joining us. So, Claire, you're not only the editor of the Babel magazine but also a known sci-fi nerd. Do you have any favorite authors or books that you want to tell us about? Do I just have to keep it to books, or can I also talk about other works? You can talk about any form of sci-fi that you would like. Yeah, so I would say that I'm a very stereotypical sci-fi nerd. I'm really into Star Trek. 
I am a self-proclaimed Trekkie. <laughs> uh, a Trekkie being a, a fan st- of Star Trek. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah, course, Trek, a- Trekkie. You know. Okay. Yeah. All right. um, but recently, I also have been loving the Red Mars trilogy. It's okay. a Hugo Award winner, so mm-hmm. anybody who really loves the written side of sci-fi. I also grew up reading Michael Crichton. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. Yeah, another very famous author, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But any sci-fi, I would say I'm in it. I'm there. All right. Um, I have a quick question, actually. Claire, you're from the beautiful state of Arizona, right? I am indeed. And I've heard that Arizona is in the top 10 for UFO sightings in the United States. Alien spaceships, you mean? Yes, Ted. Um, So, Claire, can you tell us, have you ever had a close encounter of any kind? I mean, have you ever been abducted by aliens? Unfortunately, I have not yet been abducted. I still have much of my life to be abducted, so I think that there's a good chance that it will still happen. I was alive during the Phoenix Lights sightings. I just read about that on the internet last week. Uh, What was that exactly? It's, um, there were all of these sightings over Phoenix, my hometown in Arizona, um, where there was like this big V-shaped like star formation of these bright lights flying over the Phoenix skyline. Um, the government did come out and say that they were like government ships that they were testing, but I think that's fake. That's a lie. Total lie. Totally fake. Sounds like a cover up to me. (laughs) Definitely aliens. Might have been geese though, right? You know, like. Shiny geese in fluorescent tops bright. or something. You know? yeah. <laughs> geese, yeah. sure. Okay, you we'll do work. some more research, right? You should work for the. Yeah. You should work for the government, Sam. I probably shouldn't work for any government. <laughs> Moving All on. Right. Anyway, so um, Claire, you mentioned that you want to talk to us about another kind of babble today, right? Yes. So I know you guys have covered several different types of babble, also in sci-fi, but I want to talk about techno babble. Oh. Are we getting a company DJ? I love techno. Sam, you really are living on another planet, aren't you? <laughs> I sometimes wish I was, Ted. Um, are you saying I have unrealistic expectations? I'm saying that you're living in a fantasy world. Anyway, techno babble is incomprehensible technological language often used in sci-fi, right, Claire? That is what I would call partially true. There are actually two different definitions of technobabble. One is, I would say, in the real world, technobabble is perhaps you're talking to someone who actually works in the sciences, and they might be using vocabulary that's way outside of what you would normally use, and it feels like you're being excluded. That's bad technobabble. So (laughs) stuff that nobody (laughs) understands except scientists. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Nothing to do with techno, then. No, unfortunately, nothing to do with techno. It's very un-Berlin. That's a shame. (laughs) (laughs) Then there's the other, I would say, fun, lighthearted side of techno babble, and that's what Ted is referring to. So in science fiction, a really essential part of world building is when TV shows, books, movies are using technological language that is made up to give you a sense of the world and how things are working in it. Yeah, so uh, good techno babble helps an author create a a visionary world, like an imaginary world. Exactly. Because most sci-fi takes place in the future, not all of it, but most of it, or otherwise um, is reliant upon technology that we don't currently have. You sometimes need to make up extra vocabulary to kind of fill in the blanks of how we can travel faster than light or how you can clone dinosaurs, because obviously we don't have that yet. So Yet. Yet. Q. 
keywords yet. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I, I want to ride a velociraptor. <laughs> Bring them back. <laughs> All right. So you talked about some good examples of technobabble. Could you could you give us some concrete ones from your experience in sci-fi? Yes. So I'm going to talk about Star Trek. I think this is, first of all, a good example of good technobabble. Um, and also it's very prolific. So most people have heard of a lot of Star Trek. I think everyone has heard of Star Trek or, you know, there, there are so many films. No? Right. And it was a TV mm-hmm. series originally, yeah. right? Yeah. Five TV series. Five TV Five. series. Twelve movies. Twelve, Twelve movies? Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And all of the official books. So there's like a whole world of Star Trek out all there. Right. So... I would say like the the classic example is the transporter. We do not have transporters, but they're using transporters, this made-up technology to just magically take you from one place, transport you into another place. Um, And so it has like a very specific word. They also say like, beam me up, and we know what this means. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's the classic Star Trek line, actually, isn't it? Beam me up, Scotty. Scotty. Scotty was the guy who was operating the transporter. Yeah, fun fact, that phrase was actually never once uttered in completion in the original series that was made up. But people did say, beam me up, and they did say Scotty, just never together. Ah, wow, there interesting. you go. Learned something yeah. new today. Um, I would also say that some really great examples of Technobabble are, I'm again talk about the Red Mars trilogy. Kim Stanley Robinson, he's the author, he uses a lot of real geology terms and then like makes modifications to them so that you get a sense of the Mars mm-hmm. landscape. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a, a trilogy about changing Mars into like a livable, uh, green, water-filled world like Earth, right? Exactly. So it follows the process of terraforming. So turning a planet into Terra, which is another word for Earth, huh. making it into a more Earth-like planet. Nothing to do with Terra as in fear, then. <laughs> no, no. Not terror. <laughs> terror-forming. <laughs> terror-forming being spelled T-E-R-R-A-F-O-R-M-I-N-G. Right. Terra-forming. Yeah. Perfect. Right, okay. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Great. Um, so he uses a lot of like real geological terms to, to make it feel more grounded in reality, is what you're saying? But he changes them a little bit. Exactly, but he point. adds some like small modifications. Like mm-hmm. they're going, they, he creates like new names for bacteria that they're creating to terraform the surface. Mm-hmm. And so he's grounding his language on real scientific language, but he's adding things to it. So it's it's fictional, yeah. and that's great technobabble. Yeah, and and this is uh, sort of how the process works, right, of um, creating new words. People do do that all the time in lots of different modes of life, um, and especially with science fiction, you find these fictional terms then being adopted by scientists, so it's a kind of loop thing going on, right? It's yeah, cool. Right, exactly. All right, yeah. very good. So now we have some examples of good technobabble that really bring us into the world and kind of um, make us feel comfortable and like we understand what's going on in the story, but there's got to be some examples of bad technobabble out there. Yeah, so, okay, I'm actually not going to talk about Star Wars. I would say that most of Star Wars is bad technobabble, but I don't want to start a firestorm on this podcast. You don't want to talk about midi-chlorians in here? (laughs) No. No. I don't think anyone should talk about midi-chlorians in a (laughs) tiny sound studio. (laughs) No, I would say another really popular sci-fi series that I love and is very close to my heart is Battlestar Galactica. Oh, that's great. It's an amazing series. Everyone should watch it. Um... And I love Battlestar, but they frequently do not use enough Technobabble to kind of build their world. You do hear a lot about the 
Cylons, which are their kind of androids, replicants, whatever you want to call them. And the, the Cylons are bad, right? They're the bad they're the ones. Easy, yeah. baddies. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Although if you watch the series, some, some Cylons are good. Um, but they also have faster-than-light travel, um, but they do jumps. Um, mm-hmm. And the most explanation that you ever get about jumps is, I think in the first or second episode, you find out that lots of the crew doesn't like jumps. They're like, we're going to prepare to jump. They're um, not up for jumping. <laughs> they're not up for jumping. They're, they're not jumpers. Like, feel sick. Yeah, they're like, oh, I feel so sick. And then they just jump. And then they never explain ever how this works. And like, So you- can we, do one, one second, just uh, explain jumping in Battlestar Galactica is traveling faster than the speed of light? It, they are traveling faster than the speed of light, but I would say, again, this is part of the problem. They never explain some of the fake science behind yeah, it. Right, yeah. I would say it's more akin to like a wormhole jump. Okay. If you're also in, okay, I'm confused. Okay, now. <laughs> a, a wormhole is like a is a piece of is a piece of space in the space time continuum that for no good explanation that scientists know connects one part of space to a completely different part of space. Uh, okay. And if you travel through a wormhole, then you can just jump across huge spaces of time. Right. So to clarify for our listeners, yes. there are no worms in wormholes. No. Not ones in space. Anyway. Thank um, God. So Thank God. Space. They're tunnels. A wormhole is a tunnel in yes. space between Thank two you. separate points. And so when they're jumping, they're more like in Battlestar. They're going from one place to another place very far away but there's no explanation given as to we why have, or how. We have no idea what <laughs> no. they're doing. Yeah, that's bad techno babble for yeah. sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. A lack of techno babble is bad techno babble. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Okay. All right. Very good. Super. Claire, thank you very much. That was out of this world. Nice choice of phrase, Ted. And yes, like Ted said, Claire, that was awesome. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you again so much for having me. I'm always happy to talk about sci-fi. Well, maybe we'll have you back. All right. So, folks, um, that's all for today. Ted, what's that in the corner? It's making a horrible noise and it's sucking things up at an alarming rate. It's it's a tear in the space-time continuum, Sam. A wormhole! Oh, no, it's not. It's one of those little robot vacuum cleaners like the one your parents have. Oh, yeah, right. So, anyway, listeners, we'll be back in two weeks with another thrilling selection of English cyberbabble. In the meantime, you can... Contact us on Twitter at Babbel or email us at podcasting at babbel.com. Beam us up, Scotty! Scotty!